Well, thanks for pointing that out, Char. I guess I should hit mute. <laughs> uh, what I had started to say, and what folks on Good World of Instagram already heard, uh, is uh, just good to have you, Char. I had mentioned it, and, and I don't know if you read my lips, but uh, it was really neat to see that video of you and your dad playing piano. Uh, he was a very talented man, and uh, uh, we do miss him terribly. I know you do as well, and Lucille, and uh, we hold you guys in our hearts today. Um, well, friends, tonight I want to kind of continue this this conversation, uh, talking about you know this this concept of suffering and where is God in the midst of it. Uh, one of the things that that I think happens when we suffer in life is is we feel on an island by ourselves. It's like it's like we're 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 alone. There, there's no one with us, and it, and it's it's difficult, right? It's very hard to journey through pain and suffering because even when others might know what's going on, it still feels very isolated. And, and, and you know, when, when we think about um, death, that's one aspect because people know someone has died, especially close to you. And so they might rally around you for a while. But of course, um, sorry, there's a bee in my, my ear. Uh, but they recognize, you know, you're going through something and so they'll reach out for a while. And I think the hardest part about death is is when when the noise stops, when it gets quiet. It's usually you know a few days after the funeral, or a month, or a week, or whatever, and and that's when the real grief hits you. And so you wonder where is everyone? Maybe you don't want anyone around you, but but there's that there's that nug, nudging feeling of isolation. And I think it's even more difficult when you're going through a pain that that no one else realizes. It's not a death per se, but it's a, a, a spiritual struggle, an emotional struggle. Maybe you even have physical ailments and you haven't really shared with anyone before. And so, so you begin to feel isolated on your own. And, and tonight I wanted to share with you out of, out of the book of Psalm a series of passages in which David cries out to God. Uh, you know, Psalms in itself is, is a book of scripture where it has praise and sorrow. Uh, it, it's one of those... One of those things where um, we we see both the joy that exists in life, but also the sorrow. And, and this is David, who who was king, who was who we look to, and, and and so we we wonder, we wonder in our own silence and our own pain, is there is there anyone we can cry to? And, and so I want to I want to share with you uh, out of this passage, out of the book of Psalms, these first couple verses. Well, it's only six verses long. It's it's very short, but I just want to start with these first couple. Verse 1, he, he opens up and he says, How long, O Lord? I mean, have you ever asked that question of God before? How long, God, do I have to suffer? How long does this continue to have to happen? And and it's not something we, we don't do. It, it, you know, We might say, well, if you believe in God, why would you ask that question? Well, we ask it because it's true. We, we want to know when is it going to end. We want an end date. We as people don't like to, to not know when things are going to end, right? We, we want to know when the ending's coming. goes on and says, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So David is turning to God and he's saying, Lord, I'm going through some, some, some things right now. And, and I haven't been able to see you in the midst of this. And so God, how much longer do I have to wait before I see you, before I feel your presence, before I sense you acting in my life? to end my suffering, to end my struggles, to end my, my troubles. When, Lord, will these trials end? David 
who was deeply connected to God, who out of the house of David, out of David's lineage, comes Jesus. And here's David asking the very question you and I will wrestle with throughout our lives. Throughout our lives. Verse 2, how, how long must I, here it is, bear pain? Bear pain in my soul. Have sorrow in my heart. Have pain in my soul and sorrow in my heart. Um, I think, you know, that pain that we read about. Um, and the Greek word I was looking it up here is Esau. It basically means um, counsel, advice. Uh, how much longer, Lord, must I take counsel in my heart? Now, that sounds kind of different, but, but, but basically what David's saying is, I'm in pain and I'm suffering. And God, you continually tell me it's going to be okay. You tell me I'm going to get through it, but how much longer do I really have to? Because Lord, by you saying that, David acknowledges he has pain in his, in his soul. His spirit hurts because God's not being crystal clear about the ending or about what's going on. And, and I think when we go through pain and suffering, both in the physical sense, but also the emotional sense, it's the question we ask over and over again, Lord, at what point will this end? How much longer do I have to feel pain? David asked that very question in verse 2. Because he says, because I have to carry that pain. I have to I have to wait on your advice, your counsel, Lord. My heart is filled with sorrow. I think a lot of us, I mean a lot of us, go through that. Whether, whether we're fighting depression, anxiety. We, we, we want to know when it will end. Now, a lot of us may not ask God. We may not say, God, when will this end? I think a lot of us think about it deep in our souls, but we don't necessarily proclaim it out loud. So how do we get through that? The end of verse 2, David says something that I think maybe for many of us, we... we we don't want to turn to and acknowledge that there are forces outside of us. But David asked the question, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Now, the enemy, um, the enemy is basically an adversary, but it's, but it's deeper than just a, a normal adversary. Um, the adversary that, that David in particular writes about is the enemy who is active in there in his life. So, so here's, here's, I guess, where we connect it to. You're going through some pain and suffering right now, and, and there's a force outside of you you can't understand because it just feels like it's filling you with frustration or anger. It, it feels like it's driving you kind of over the edge of life. And you ask yourself over and over again, God, when will it ever end? When, when will this stop? When will this cease? And we struggle because we can't see it coming. And, and we don't sometimes know where it comes from. And we think to ourselves, why, why do I feel so sad? I should be happy. People tell me I should be happy, but yet we're not yet. Or we, we can't, um, maybe we're struggling with some mental challenges and and people around us tell us, you know, just get over it. It'll get better. You don't have to be this way, but we can't figure it out ourselves. And so we begin to feel a little bit of shame. 
a little bit of shame in our life. And that shame leads to something even worse, which is even a deeper isolation. And that's where David, I think, acknowledges the fact there's, there's, a, there's an enemy that wants to keep us isolated because that enemy can tear us down. And, and we no longer are light. We no longer hope for someone. Because mm. we want hope, but God wants to use us to be hope for someone else. I, I think of a story, a, a, a pastor who, she told this story, this is years ago. Sitting here, I guess, pondering. It's probably 20 plus years ago she told this story. I, I remember hearing and she said she was she was at a and I've used it before I don't know if I've shared it here but she said you know I was at a Wendy's and she said I, I was just having a really kind of rough day myself and um, she was standing in line and and this woman who was behind her was I mean she said she was fit to be tight complaining about the line wasn't going fast enough um, just you could tell she was very agitated very angry and she says I just felt something nudging me so, so I turned to her. And I said, wow, it, it, you, you having an okay day? It sounds kind of like you're having, not, not to point out that she was being hostile in that moment, but just to acknowledge her presence, acknowledge that she wasn't uh, feeling okay. And the lady just stopped dead cold and said, thank you. Thank you for seeing me. Thank you for acknowledging I was, I was struggling. And here David in these first two verses acknowledges that because we don't want to be alone when we're in pain we don't want to be isolated we might ask for that initially yet what we really desire i think subconsciously all of us do is is connection and so when we're isolated alone in our pain and suffering we turn somewhere and say please see me see who i am now david will in verse three say consider and answer me Oh, Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. In other words, God, you need to answer not just my questions, but my pain and suffering. I need it now. Here, David's almost in a sense, I don't want to say begging, but but almost uh, at, a, at a level saying, Lord, it's time. God, if you're real, end my suffering. God, if you're real, end this pain. Wow, I, you know you ever done that I, I suspect you have i suspect you've asked god to end my pain and suffering i, I think of the, the the racial injustice for people and i i can't connect that i've never been in their shoes but i can only imagine for some of them maybe for a lot of them maybe for all of them they at some level have asked that very question and, and God's answer is to open eyes and open hearts. Now, God's answer is not to, to rain violence. That's evil in the world, friends. That's, that's hatred. It's not grace. David says, you need to give me light so I can see hope. Now here David kind of shifts his question a little bit. He's not even saying, solve my pain and suffering, but just give me light so I can see the potential, so I can see hope. Because sometimes that's all we need. We don't need everything solved right away. We just need to see there's a possibility of something better. There's the possibility of an opportunity for suffering to end. And then it gives us hope. And it gives us joy and peace. And, and that, that quietness of that pain may not go away. 
but we live in comfort in that moment. I, I, I think of, well, I started out and, and you know, I mentioned, uh, I don't know if I came back to it or not, but I know when I was on mute <laughs> at the beginning, I said, you know, sure, I saw that picture of you and your dad and what joy that was and how much we miss him. All of us do. And I can only imagine how you and Lucille miss him, how you and Lucille miss your brothers. All three went to, to the glory of heaven this year. And, and that's heartbreaking. But it's also joyous because they're there together. They're there together, the three of them. And what, what joy, what peace, what comfort they can give us. And, and, and it doesn't end the sorrow of, of missing but it does, I think, or at least it has the potential to provide a little comfort. We still miss. We still sad. But we know, okay, not only will I see them again soon, but they're, in a, they're, they're healthy, they're strong, they're healed with our Lord. And that, that's true for any of us. In the moment of, of our of our joy in the moment of our sorrow of suffering, we can have that hope. David's here asked that question because he says, if you don't respond, if you don't give me hope, he says, Lord, I'm going to end up sleeping the death of death. That That is maybe not death in the sense of physicalness, but then death in the sense of spiritualness. And then he says, and my enemy will say, I have prevailed. I have been victorious because I have isolated this, this child from you, God. That's what the enemy wants to do. And look, maybe you're not one that calls the enemy the devil or Satan, or you call the enemy whatever you want to refer to it. It is out there, friends. It is out there. We've seen it. We've heard it. And we have to, at some level, acknowledge that it's there. And sometimes it shows up in other people, but it is there. And and, and really what, what it wants to do is separate us from God. Because in God, as David says, we will have the light that he provides. Even if our earthly suffering doesn't go away, even if our earthly suffering doesn't end, we have that hope, that potential, that potential. The end of it, he he almost, um, he does two things here. I'm going to read verse five. He says, I trusted in your steadfast love, acknowledging that throughout David's life, he trusted in God's love, which is unending, unequivocally, it doesn't stop. It just keeps going. He says, I trusted in that. My heart, here's the word, shall rejoice. So he acknowledges that at some point he will have joy because it is in the resurrection of Jesus. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. God has lifted all of us up at one point or another in our lives. God has healed us at one point or another in our lives. And my friends, as, as we journey in this life of suffering, in this life of struggle, my hope for you, my hope for our world, if you're in pain, fall to your knees. Kneel at the side of your bed tonight before you go to sleep. I mean, really kneel there. Just like when you maybe were a little kid. Just when you were a child. And say, Lord, here I am. Cry out to him, because this is David's cry. This is David's cry to him. David cries out to him, just as a, my friend who I hear cries out to us. Because God wants to hear your voice. You're God's beloved child who loves you, who cherishes you, who wants nothing more than to celebrate who you are. 
As we pray tonight, my friends, may that be our prayer. May it be our prayer that, oh, hello. May that be our prayer of joy. That through all of this suffering, both in the world and in our lives, we will rise above it because of the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. The Lord be with you. Loving Father, I give thanks to you. I give thanks, Lord, for the grace that you give to us in your Son, Jesus. Tonight, Lord, we pray for those that are suffering, those that suffer both in silence and in isolation. At times, Lord, we all feel so alone. But may we all remember we are not that far from you. That your Lord, Lord, and we are yours. Lord, bless us tonight. Heal our emptiness. Heal our sorrow. Heal our pain. That we may rise up and celebrate you because we are healed. We are healed because of the death of your son, Jesus. I thank you, almighty God, for hearing our cries both now and even later tonight, Lord. All of this I give thanks to you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen, amen. Well, friends, it's starting to rain here. And as the rain falls, it just reminds me that as darkness creeps in every night, we can have the hope of the light that comes from Christ. And so friends, I pray that for all of you tonight, as you go to bed, as you go, whether you're working overnight or whatever you're doing, find a moment to pray to our Lord. As God is listening, oh, he's so listening. All to the side of your bed. Maybe that's something you did as a child and maybe you need to go back to it. Maybe you just pray in your seat. However it is, God is the one you can cry out to always and anywhere. You feel pain, you feel suffering. And so friends, from the front porch, with my friendly visitor who stopped by. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for popping into the front porch. I pray for all of you. You may have a very blessed and wonderful evening. You will feel the love of Christ in your life. God bless. And we'll see you tomorrow night right here on the front porch.